Welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's Meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our website at qac.org live or on our television channel, BreezeLine Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting by going to qac.org slash public comment. Citizens may also email comments to public comment at qac.org. Comments received will be summarized during the press and public comment period on tonight's agenda. We acknowledge your participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you do care to speak, please sign the information table in our lobby. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. We will now stand to be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And if you could please remain standing for a moment of silence. Uh, the holidays are upon us. And if we could just say a prayer for the madness that goes on around the world. Thank you very much. Yeah, commissioners, that brings us to the approval of uh, this evening's agenda. So our meeting tonight, uh, December 12th, uh, the agenda along with the regular session minutes, the closed session minutes, the Sanitary Commission minutes uh, from November 28th, they have all been circulated for review. Do we have any additions and or corrections? i make a motion to add two additional action items. Actually, we have three. Agenda. We have three. Second. Three. 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 Three, Jack. It's a proclamation. You don't, that's not an action item. But oh, if you want to add it, we can. Very good. Okay, very no, good. No worries. Nope. All right. It's two. Motion to second. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. A motion to accept the agenda as amended and the minutes as presented. Second. A motion to second there also. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. Uh, we just held a closed session under General Provisions Article 3, Section 305B3 to discuss land acquisition and Article 3. Dash 305B1 to discuss boards and commissions and land acquisitions. Uh, and we do have uh, one appointment to make, I believe. I move to reappoint Pat Patricia Worms to the Kenton Arrows Development Foundation. This term will expire on December 31st, 2026. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Commissioners, uh, next we have uh, press and public comment. Uh, we, we have any, okay. We appreciate all citizens for taking time to express your views to the county commissioners. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. Comments longer than three minutes may be submitted in writing. This commission respects everyone's desire to convey their message freely. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone, state your name, address, and topic of interest. In keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. We have one person signed up, Anna Queller, is that correct? Mm -hmm. 
Good evening. My name is Anna Queller. I live at 129 Grays Pond Lane. My topic tonight is Midshore 3 Regional Solid Waste Facility. Since the last time I appeared before you, I've had the opportunity opportunity to review documents and emails released to me pursuant to my Public Information Act request and to engage in some correspondence regarding my request. My concerns, which you have heard me speak about before, are now elevated. I've heard from the county that this is a state permitting process, not a county siting process. This is not correct. The county selects the land, MES or MDE does not. The county is responsible for ensuring that a solid waste facility at any location conforms with the county's solid waste management plan and zoning and land use requirements. And a letter stating such must be provided to MDE. This responsibility is required whether the site will be operated by a public entity or a private entity. The Maryland statute reads that the county must provide a written statement that the refuse disposal system meets all applicable county zoning and land use requirements and is in conformity with the county solid waste plan. This is what the consistency letter that the county sent to MDE dated October 17, 2022 purports to affirm about the Harper Road location. However, the language in the letter avoids the conformance issue. The letter states, I'm just going to read in part, um, the commissioners purchased the 124-acre farm at the end of Harper Road for the future site of Midshore 3. Therefore, the siting of this process is consistent with the county's long-range planning strategies to provide adequate community facilities. This letter was crafted to avoid the ultimate question. Would a new solid waste facility at this location conform to the county's solid waste management plan and meet zoning and land use requirements? The answer is no. There's been no public service waiver granted in order to zone the land properly. Furthermore, this location is within 1,500 feet of a residence and 2,500 feet of a well. I've heard from the county that this detailed siting criteria in the solid waste management plan pertain only to private solid waste facilities. Nowhere in the plan is this distinction made. If this distinction was to be so important, it would have been included in the plan that undergoes multiple level, levels of review and public comment, right? In the alternative, I have heard that this location was cited in 1991 and therefore no additional review is required. This contradicts several solid waste management plans and several comprehensive plans. It seems this explanation, these explanations are trying to jam a square peg in a round hole. I have urged you, commissioners, since October to review the county's solid waste management plan and comprehensive plan to draw your own inclusion, conclusions. And tonight, I make the plea once more. Thank you. Uh, our first email is going to come from Rhonda Riley. The proposed site off Harper Road in Centerville is hazardous for many reasons that have already been brought to the attention of the county commissioners. However, this reason has not been introduced. The dwarf wedge mussel, the scientific name Alismandata heterodon, which is a state and federally listed endangered species and lives in the upper tributaries of the Corsica River. Branches off the Corsica River near the proposed landfill are Alder Branch and Island Creek. To survive, they need a silt-free, stable streamed, and well-oxygenated water free of pollutants. Water pollution and construction impediments are the primary threats to its survival. The mussel is sensitive to elevated concentrations of potassium, zinc, copper, cadmium, as well as pesticides, chlorine, excessive nutrients, and silt carried by agricultural runoff. 
Humans are sensitive to metals, herbicides, insecticides, and fertilizers in water. The dwarf wedge mussels have the same sensitivities, and their absence or presence is indicative, indic indicative of the health of a natural ecosystem. The Federal Register 55FR9447, March 14, 1990, lists this mussel as endangered. The mussels meet the requirements of the Endangered Species Act of 1973. Again, that was Rhonda Riley. Our next email comes from Teresa Earhart. Thank you for reading my public comment in tonight's meeting. My topic is the Midshore 3 landfill. This comment is being written by Teresa Earhart, resident of Shrewsbury Farm Subdivision. At this conjecture, you are well aware of the many objections that have been expressed at both the bi-monthly commissioner's public meetings and via emails sent to various government entities and individuals. To date, we received conflicting replies to our expressed concerns. These concerns continue to grow based on fulfillment of PIA requests that have exposed conflicting concerning information in conjunction with further examination of county regulations. Our group of concerned citizens who are objecting to the current location of the proposed landfill has grown. These citizens have asked that we form a small group to meet with some of the Queens County Commissioners so that a civil roundtable discussion can take place. At this group gathers information from the meetings, it will be dispensed to all those who have concerns. The first meeting is being asked to be held the first week of January 2024 after the holidays. As of this writing is not scheduled yet, however, we are waiting for a return phone call from Mr. Mon to establish the date and the time. We look forward to sharing our documentation with the commissioners present at this meeting. We feel it is important to establish a relationship with our group for continued discussion at the proposed location for Midshore 3 and its effect on our community. Thank you. Closed press and public comment. Moving on. All right, commissioners, we can move into presentations this evening. Uh, under uh, tab number six, our first uh, presentation is actually a proclamation, number 23-50, for Mr. Dan Tabler, his 99th birthday. And we also have a sister proclamation 2356 on your desktop for Miss Ruth Tabler. Um, we'll go with ladies first. Ruth. Okay, I'm sorry. I, was, I had nothing. Go ahead. Uh, proclamation 23-56. Mr. Tabler, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, whereas Ruth Tabler is a lifelong resident of Queen Anne's County, a graduate of Centerville High School, class of 1942, and celebrated her 99th birthday in October of 2023. And whereas Ruth Tabler attended nursing school in Wilmington, Delaware, and served as a nurse all her professional life, which ended at age 93, serving as Compass Hospice Nurse in Centerville. And whereas Ruth also served 20 years as a nurse at the former Queen Anne's County, Queen Anne's Hospital in Chestertown, and as a private nurse for many years. And whereas Ruth is a lifetime member of the American Legion, Jeff Davis Post 18, Auxiliary. Now, therefore, we, the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby extend our sincere gratitude and appreciation to Ruth for her dedicated service to the healthcare field and the citizens of Queen Anne's County. And it's signed by the Queen Anne's County commissioners. Proclamation 2350, 
Whereas Mr. Dan Tabler was born in West Virginia and moved to Queen Anne's County as a youngster when his father came to Centerville in 1933 to reopen Centerville National Bank. Mr. Tabler celebrated his 99th birthday on October 7th. And whereas Mr. Tabler, uh, a retired newspaper man, got his start as a paper delivery boy, he is uh, a former editor and longtime contributing writer and a columnist for the Record Observer. Most people will remember his writer's notebook column. Many have, uh, many have been featured uh, in the paper over the years. And whereas Mr. Tabler started his first column as a teenager, Dots and Dashes by Dan, he served in the Army and Public Relations at Camp Lee during World War II, where he wrote stories about the camp, some of the men, celebrities that came and gave USO shows for the troops and more. His column was called The Army Life. And whereas Mr. Tabler has served as a reporter, editor, photographer, ad salesman, and even helped out on press occasionally. Dan was inducted into the Maryland, Delaware, DC Press Association Hall of Fame in 2009 and was a board member and officer for the forerunners of MDDC, the Delaware Press Association, and the Maryland Press Association, and later for the MDDC in 1970. And whereas Mr. Tabler's dedication and uh, community spirit didn't stop with just writing about it, and also has been an active volunteer. In 2002, Dan was named Queen Anne's most beautiful volunteer. And whereas Mr. Tabler is a former member of the Centerville Town Council and has been a member of the Goodwill Fire Company for 76 years, holding many different positions during that time. He was inducted into the Maryland State Firemen's Association Hall of Fame in 2012. And whereas Mr. Tabler is a member of the Centerville Lions Club, where he was recognized as a Melvin Jones Fellow, a member of the American Legion, a member of the Kent uh, and Queen Anne's Volunteer Fire and EMS Rescue Association. And whereas Mr. Tabler was volunteered with Queen Anne's Hospice and the Queen Anne's County Library, and been a longtime supporter of the local 4-H youth program and is active with the Centerville United Methodist Church. Now, therefore, the Queen Anne's County Board of Com County Commissioners <coughs> recognize Mr. Dan Tabler as being an outstanding member of Queen Anne's County and admire his dedication to the community for setting such a fine example for our citizens. Sign the Queen Anne's County Commissioners. Right here in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Good. He's got his cane. Yes, sir. Yep. Yep. He's got. Yep. He's got. Yep. He's got. Yep. He's got. and thank you for years and years of service to our community and setting that bar very, very high. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Sir. Hi. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you for your service to our country. Thank you. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Best Christmas jacket I've seen. Thank you. Thank you. Just for the <laughs> just for the public's information, we've been trying to get the two of them here for the last month. Um, but we want to thank we want to thank Doug from the paper for picking them up and bringing them here so they could be here to be recognized. Um, 99 years old. He's 100. 100 now. Yeah, he's 99. <clears throat> anyway. Jim will be there one day. Tough fact to follow, Megan. Yeah. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> All right, commissioners. Our, our next presentation is from none other than uh, Megan Delgadio, the IT manager. She has a broadband update for us. You're going to stand over there? I am. I just wanted to kind of be able right. easier to kind of point out things on the map. Than okay. To also, we have tab six uh, item pages two through seven, and we have it on the screen here as well for... Uh, Everybody. So, Megan? 
Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, well, thank you for the opportunity to come in. I just wanted to give you a brief update um, and just a, go for like a quick review of how we got where we are now. So um, this is a list of all the different awards and challenges that we've gone through. When it says challenges, it's not a challenge for us. It's just an actual term that the state uses that we'll kind of discuss. Um, but it's easier to kind of show you all these things on a map than it is to show you in words. So, um, but the first thing we did was put together a broadband feasibility study, and that study allowed us, um, we worked with the state to do that, they paid half of that for us, but it allowed us to create a map that showed where all of the underserved and under, un and underserved areas are in the county. Um, at that point in time, we found out that there were roughly 4,000 homes that were un or underserved. So moving forward from there, um, the state started to make money available through something called neighborhood infrastructure grants. And these were smaller grants that allotted um, just like smaller amounts. So we started with, um, in 2020, with Atlantic Broadband, um, still Atlantic Broadband at the time, with an area called Grove Creek or Bully Rock. So um, this, is, this is the first area that we got to with the state. And then we moved forward from there. Um, as you recall, in 2020, <coughs> that was when COVID came. And the CARES Act made a lot of money available to us. At that point in time, we decided that we wanted to try to get to some of the rural areas because we knew that that would be difficult to get funding for those areas in the future. So we, at the very top of the screen from Millington <coughs> all the way down to Templeville, we worked with Think Big to try to get to as many of those areas as we possibly could. So moving on from there, um, in 2021, Chop Tank Fiber um, won a very large infrastructure grant to build to Willow Branch. <coughs> Getting, getting to quite a few homes there. And then also uh, that same year, we got about five smaller infrastructure, we got five smaller infrastructure grants working with Atlantic Broadband, Talkie, and um, Atlantic Broadband, Talkie, and Think Big. So that expanded on the Millington to Templeville build. We worked over <coughs> in Kingstown, all the green, all the rest of the green. And then this area around Willow Branch, we were also able to get that completed. Or the, the, everything in green is done, so all those things are actually completed. Um, from there, that following year, we had this grand idea that we were going to try to just get to everything else. And we brought in all four IS, internet service providers, also known as ISPs, and we mapped everything out, and we thought we had it all <coughs> together. Um, but that same year, I'm going to fast forward a couple slides or one slide here. That same year, um, actually in 2020, Talkie was <coughs> awarded uh, the Rural Development Opportunity Fund grant. So this Rural Development Opportunity Fund grant requires that in the next, um, well, in three, in three years, 40% of the houses had to be built that are in these areas that you see on the screen. And then the additional years after that, years four and five, 20% more for each year. So by year five, there should be 80% of these areas should be built to by Talkie. So because they had won this grant, um, Talkie challenged the application that we'd put in to the state to get to all of the remaining areas that we had. And the state accepted that challenge, which meant that Talkie was gonna to have to build to those areas that they challenged in two years instead of the allotted three. So the areas in yellow that you see on here are the areas that were challenged, that Talkie um, was, they're more or less awarded. They don't get any money to build to those areas, but they have to do it in two years. So, um, once they did that, it kind of created a few more fragments that we had to fill in. So we, again, went back to the state. Um, the state at this point in time, they had um, larger contracts um, 
over, I think it was 250,000 for the neighborhood grants that we could do, but they, they created multi-million dollar uh, contracts or made those available, those applications available. So Chop Tank was able to take advantage of one this year where they won everything that's in kind of like this, this outlined orange area. So Chop Tank's gonna fill in those areas. So you can see what's left are these remaining red areas that don't have an outline. So those are the remaining ones left. We did show at one point some of the areas that Talkie had permitted, but those were not awards. Those are just to kind of give you an idea of where the broadband's coming in. But we still need to get to those areas that don't have an outline. So um, what we have done at this point, you guys have approved, thank you very much for approving, the long driveway grant program. So um, we have moved forward. We actually have more than 13 homes now that have taken advantage completely. Let me find my page. Um, we have... We have 21 homes now that have broadband and a, an additional 10 that have signed agreements waiting for completion. Um, how we set this up, we used Charles County's template. They had already had something in place that they were using. Um, we created it because we'd heard down and through the grapevine that the state was going to be making large sums of money available for us to piggyback on using a program like this. Um, which actually right now there is a $1.1 million grant available to each county. It's up to that. Um, for us to take advantage of where they will pay $8,000 per difficult to, to reach home. So um, this grant allows um, anybody that has a long driveway that's within close proximity to an internet service provider to apply. Um, the county will provide 90% of the cost to build to that area up to 13,500. So the plan is if we can get the state grant to, to use that $8,000 um, as part of that 13,500 um, to, to move that forward. So you guys just approved an additional 200, or I'm sorry, $250,000 last meeting so that we can uh, use that to supplement. Chances are we're probably going to be back again, but we just want to kind of see how this moves forward and, and um, just kind of see how it flows. So even though we have this long driveway grant program in place, we still have a few areas that we can't, you can't build to, we can't use the long driveway program unless we have all of the middle mile areas served. So the middle mile actually is our areas like you can't, you can't build to the end of the driveway if there's nothing at the end of the driveway to connect to. So we still have a few areas that don't have internet service providers close enough that will, that are eligible for that long driveway program. So uh, we are working with a grant writer to um, create a, a county grant I'm going to come back to you guys again asking for you to, to supply some more funds to try to get to these remaining areas that we have here in red. So we estimate that there's about 26 miles to build. We've heard that $6 a foot is the <coughs> estimate. So we think it's about $824,000 with any luck to get to this remaining area. And then we would then supplement that with the long driveway programs moving forward. So. We're hoping that'll get us, we think right now that we have about, it's between eight and 900 homes left. So we started with 4,000. Um, once all of those grant, or all of the areas that have been awarded grants and challenges are completed, that we think that we'll be in, in pretty good shape. We should hopefully have everybody served with, we, and we really want everybody to be served with wired line. So um, that's, that's where we are for the most part. Um, review on some other quick things. Um, the Broadband Council um, is still up and functioning. We, we meet um, almost monthly on the third Thursday. Uh, we've had a few members come and go since 2018. 
The primary goal of the group is to continue to expand broadband infrastructure. That's really what we've just been trying to accomplish here. I think we're making pretty good headway. Uh, we do continue to meet dis to discuss different grants. We've had Verizon, Comcast, Talkie, and most recently T-Mobile has come in to discuss future plans, upgrades, and coverage. Um, we've also had conversations about um, Verizon signals a lot lately. I know you've probably heard that too. Uh, but they did. Pre they presented last year. We've invited them to come to our January or February meetings. We're hoping that they're going to give us some more information to let us know how they're doing and how their expansion's coming along, because it seems like we've heard some complaints here and there. Um, but we've also heard that um, from uh, our friends at T-Mobile, they presented and they've talked about how good their coverage is. And then we've also heard from our friends at Emergency Services who've said that AT&T is doing a really good job for them. So uh, we're hoping that you know we there's there's other options if we can't get there with Verizon. But um, we do have one other economic development has put out another grant to expand um, in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. Um, and then you may have heard a little bit about the BEAD grant that's happening. It's the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Grant, which is really, it's the states trying to trying to push this out right now, but it's a lot of money that's coming through, but then the internet service providers can then go directly to the state to apply. But it sounds like a lot of red tape. So, um, you know, that's why I think that it's, we're kind of better off with having our own county programs at this point to try to help push it forward, but then supplementing where we can with state funding. So, um, that's it for me. Any questions? Well, seeing, how the, uh, seeing how the state budgets didn't sound so rosy last week. I think we're better off staying with doing it within the county, honestly. Right. So, but Megan, I just want to thank you and, and tell the citizens of Queen Anne's County the debt of gratitude they owe you and your Broadband Advisory Commission. Five years ago, we had no direction forward. We had no real plan. We, well, we had a plan, but it fell apart. Um, and you and your group and, and you know, one of the things that came out of COVID was the realization that uh, broadband is a necessity, not a, a luxury. And you know, the money freed up and you guys had a plan. You, the only county in the state I could tell you that was shovel ready to get it deployed. And we're far and way ahead of the rest of the counties in the state in terms of getting to our farms and, and our other uh, outlying areas. And, and I'm, I'm sure you, you just get that number over here. We still have some ARPA money and I think there's no better place to spend it than to finish the broadband that we started five years ago and get it done. Um, 864,000 seems like a pretty uh, light lift to finish something, so. Mm -hmm. But yeah, thank you so much for everything you've done. Um, and everybody got to remember, Megan actually has another job with the county, not just broadband. <laughs> so uh, she takes care of our IT department and everything else, and she's done this pretty much on her own time um, with, with the group we've had. And we've had probably a dozen or so members come and go, but mm -hmm. always people that were engaged. Yes. And all people awesome. that needed broadband. So it's really good to have them needy, because then they really want to work hard. Yes, for nothing. that's right. So, yeah. Yes, when there's a will. Yeah. And I really appreciate the group. The, the council's been fantastic, and I really appreciate all the support that we get from, from you all. Thank you. You're literally going house by house. <laughs> I mean, remember when it was, you know, street by street, mm -hmm. zip code by zip code, now you're house by house. Yeah, Great we job. are. Thank you. Is there, I, I haven't talked to Commissioner uh, Rhodes in a while. How, How's the um, tower working up in Churchill? Do we know? Uh, I believe that it, it is up and running, but I think yeah. that it's the elevation of it. Like I've heard that it might not be quite high enough to accommodate some of the needs of some people that are around it. It just doesn't seem like, I'm not sure the signal's traveling as far as they desire it to. But I know Talkie's been doing a lot of building up in that area, so they're, I think they're supplementing in some ways, so. It is better, it is better 
in and around Churchill, mm -hmm. but when you get on the other side of the tree line where line right. of sight kind of goes away, it, it's not much yeah. better. So. Like down towards Southeast Creek, that yep. way, in that yeah. direction. They're not, that's, yep. where they're, that's where they, they need it, and it's not yeah. quite there. Yeah. So. Thank you. All right, good. Thank you. Megan, thank, thank you. you. Great job, Megan. Thank you very much. All right, commissioners, we can move into our new business and uh, action items this evening. If you want to turn to tab number three in your books. So tab three, item one on page one is proclamation 23-54 for small business Saturday. Excuse me. Didn't we read that one last time? We read that already. Excuse me. That, oh. My mistake. <laughs> uh, proclamation 2354. This is a proclamation uh, for Stephanie Walsh, who is retiring from the Baltimore Metropolitan Council. Excuse me. Excuse proclamation me. 2355. Whereas Stephanie Walsh became employed by the Baltimore Regional Council of Governments in November of 1976, and whereas Stephanie Walsh remained with the agency after it re reformed as the Baltimore Metropolitan Council in 1992 and has served as an administrative assistant and receptionist since the agency's inception and whereas Queen Anne's County became a member of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council in October of 2017 and whereas Stephanie Walsh has welcomed each and every visitor from Queen Anne's County to the Baltimore Metropolitan Council, Council with a warm smile and has always been eager to assist all of her customers. And now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby extend our congratulations to Stephanie Walsh for her 47 years of commitment and dedication to the work of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council and the people of Baltimore uh, and the people of the Baltimore region and wish her a very well-deserved earned retirement. Signed, the Queen Anne's County Commissioners. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Moran. All right, uh, item two on pages two and three is the Maryland Agricultural Land Preservation Foundation State Matching F Funds Program Letter of Intent to Participate. Um, as the commissioners know, we have been participating since 1975, and this letter of intent is confirmation that the county will participate in the FY25 Matching Funds Program. So, you know, we have a... Uh, Ms. Donna I move Smith. to approve the letter of intent to participate in the Maryland Agricultural Land Preservation Foundation Matching Funds Program. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, commissioners. And item number three, uh, also related to the um, MAF program, is on pages four through 12. Uh, this is um, an estate of Diane Duddyar. Uh, their personal representative wanted to submit for the mouth program. Unfortunately, it didn't meet up to the expectations of the, um, the actual grant funding program. However, they do want to offer the property for um, preservation, and uh, that action does require uh, commissioner approval. So, uh, wow. Smith, so can you explain that one, how it works mm -hmm. without any kind of funds changing hands? You got a motion? Oh. Um, I move to approve two mouth applications for Diane Dutterer on tax map 6, parcel 16, and tax map 6, parcel 16, lot 1. Second. Now, how does that work without any money? <laughs> so part of the will stated there was a condition of the will for Diane Dutterer and her husband that the farm had to be preserved. That was a condition of the will <clears throat> and the estate. So Ms. Dutterer's 
sister is the administrator, so she reached out to Joe and I about putting the farm into mouth. Um, when we did the scoring and ranking, it was very, very far down on the list. So it didn't, I mean, so far down on the list, it would not stand a chance to get funded probably in the next 10 years, literally. So <clears throat> there were several conditions. There's nothing around this particular parcel that's in preservation. It's in Crumpton. Um, and the soils are eligible, but they're marginal. So we had spoken to her about doing a donation in order to um, satisfy the conditions of the will. So she reached out to her estate attorney and they said that would work. So in talking with her, she also checked with Maryland Environmental Trust, Eastern Shore Land Conservancy, and the MAF program. <clears throat> Through some of the other options, they were gonna charge administrative fees um, which through the math process, the state will pay for the appraisal, the state will pay for the legal fees because it's a donated easement. So they get no compensation for it, okay. plus it doesn't cost the estate any money, and it satisfies the conditions of the will stating that it has to be in preservation. So it's two waterfront properties. One is 106.289 and the second one is 104.039. So they're gonna get 210 acres under a mouth easement for no money. So I guess my question, my concern would be, since no money was ch changed hands, is it still going to be protected from being Yes, it's still a mouth easement. The deed of easement still stands the same. Yes. But you're not double dipping. My point is, if, you, if solar was to be put on that property is where I'm going. And not. You're not double dipping because you didn't receive any money on the front end. So. And that is one of the conditions that was in their will also, that it not be used wow. for a commercial solar. Okay, all right. That's... So it, there was several conditions in the will. I just think that well. sets a I don't want to share all of what right. was no, in there, fine. but um, with this, this satisfies the conditions. It gets it under a mouth easement. It doesn't cost the estate any money. It still has to meet the same criteria right. as a regular mouth easement that gets funding for it. It's just not getting judged, Correct. basically. So. Correct. Okay. Cool. Giving up their development rates. Yes, and they're giving up the development rates on the property just as they just would like if they were getting easement. compensated for it. Gotcha. Okay. So it's basically the same avenue as Maryland Environmental Trust, but it's the fees are none compared to some of the other private entities that charge fees. And it's a win-win yeah. <laughs> for the county. I was going to say, that's I mean, we're getting 210 acres yeah. of waterfront farmland Earth. for no money. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was very, very generous of Diane Duderer and her husband to want to do that, plus um, it's going to be inherited by a young farmer, which is really awesome. So, Not to change the subject. Great story. Well, we got to vote yeah. on this first before you change the subject. Well, I'm not changing the subject. Oh. Go ahead. Or choice of words. We are... Um, looking at trying to do a residential treatment center for youth and, that are in crisis. And with that, we need farmland. Is there a possibility that we could look at doing something there? No. Because in the will, it's very specific about it being remained as a farm. It would be a farm. It's just that it would have a couple of buildings on it and have kids for, for a residential That's not treatment. permitted through mouth. That's not farm use, ag use. It's there, if, mouth is very specific about was, permitted uses. If the farmland was actually worked by folks, 
It'd so what would farm. the buildings be used for? They would be used as a, as um, uh, housing for kids. And not permitted through mouth. That's not a permitted use. And there's no. Uh, <clears throat> yes. No exceptions. No, sir. Mouth is very strict, very strict. Even if it went to the legislature. Would have to change Comar and the uses. Well, not change Comar just for the. Okay. All right, well, we're making a, this is a motion to approve two mouth applications for Diane Dutterer on tax map six, parcel 16, and tax map six, parcel 16, lot one. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Yeah, and you, we Joe. will be coming to you in January about the funding for the matching funds program. Um, <clears throat> Joe had some of the numbers from last year, so it will be the same thing as what we came in front of you. We have a meeting set up with finance about the ag transfer tax that's available and the solar revenue tax that's available. So we'll be back. Sounds good. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you both. Character counts. All right, commissioners, item four on page 13, we have character counts spotlight uh, for Gavin Schulte. Um, page 13. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. um, so Queen Anne's County Commissioner's character counts spotlight for December 2023. The character counts pillar celebrated in December is caring. The holiday season is a great time to show those around us that we care. Caring for others and showing simple kindness is one of the easiest ways to demonstrate good character. Tonight, we will be honoring a young man who has consistently demonstrated caring for others in our community. Gavin Schulte, a junior at Ken Island High School, demonstrated caring from a very early age. Starting when he was a student at Mattapique Elementary School, he routinely organizes coat drives in the fall for the Knights of Columbus um, and peanut butter and jelly and cereal drives for support the summer backpack programs. Additionally, he helps prep and deliver 1,200 meals the day before Thanksgiving each year. In 2019, when Gavin was in seventh grade, he learned about 12 children in Queen Anne's uh, County that enter the foster system each year. He became concerned that those children didn't have the things they needed at such a traumatic time in their lives and reached out to the Queen Anne's County Social Services to see what he could do. In partnership with Joan Taylor at Queen Anne's County Social Services, Gavin began to foster the love, uh, began the foster the love campaign to provide transition bags filled with essentials and comfort items for all the children moved into foster care in Queen Anne's County. According to Joan, Gavin didn't just throw things together at random. He took the time to make the bags for children of all ages, making them by age and gender. He asked a lot of questions and took the time to listen to what is needed. Gavin builds an Amazon wish list to solicit donations and purchases items with his own money, if necessary. After collecting the donations, he packs the bags and delivers them to Ms. Taylor, who distributes them to the children. Gavin uh, checks in with Joan every four to five months 
to re-up the availability to the bags. Since Gavin, oh, since COVID, the bag requests have increased and the need for more expensive diaper bags began, but Gavin has always answered the call. Joan recalls a conversation she had with Gavin about children needing socks. A few days later, he dropped off bags with over 40 pairs of brand new socks of various sizes and colors. Gavin does all this outreach and manages to still show uh, caring to his fellow